You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Elliot, it's the first podcast we've done in a while that doesn't start with the Vancouver Canucks. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast brought to you by the all-new GMC AT4 lineup. We are talking about a six-game suspension to kick things off. Um, six-game suspension for Jason Spezza, for kneeing Neil Pionk. But is it going to really be a six-game suspension, Elliot's? You know what the joke was going around on Tuesday night when word got out that Spets are planned to appeal? What's that? How long do you think it's going to take for this whole process to go? Answer, six games. <laughs> I can think of one team that's not going to find that funny. Yeah, I think we know uh, which team that is. First of all, but the video the Department of Player Safety put out was particularly interesting in how many times they mentioned the CBA. Did you find the video interesting? We'll get to the suspension in a second, but the explanation was interesting, even going as far as to mentioning what the Maple Leafs took issue with. Actually, I like that. I like so that I. because if you go back a week to the Brendan Lemieux one, they did the same thing. Yeah. They said, here was Lemieux's defense and here's why we don't agree with it. I actually like that level of transparency and I wish it became a regular part of the deal. Here's the argument and here's why we agreed or disagreed. I think the more of that, the better. So I actually had no problem with it. I think there's a lot of angry people tonight. Uh, I think the Maple Leafs are angry. I think Spets is angry. I think the Jets are angry too. Number one, the Jets and the Maple Leafs are angry at each other. The Maple Leafs thought that the Jets kind of got away with murder the other night on Matthews, on Sandine. The Jets were angry at the Spets of play. They thought the Maple Leafs complained too much. Both teams were furious at the officiating. They thought the officials let it get out of control. And as a matter of fact, what's interesting is that Tuesday night, tonight, as we just finished taping this, Carolina's Ian Cole was ejected yeah. for a knee-on-knee hit on Mark Shifley. And the referee who made the call was Reed Anderson, who also worked that Sunday game between Toronto and, and Winnipeg. So there were a lot of uh, of angry feelings about this. And, you know, obviously the story is not over. I also understand that the Maple Leafs pointed out that their their two goaltenders uh, were neat in the head on Saturday and Sunday night, Campbell against Minnesota, Wall against uh, Winnipeg, and there were no penalties. But, you know, all of these arguments fell on deaf ears. You know, the fact that Pionk is in concussion protocol and the Jets made sure everybody knew about that. It's pretty obvious, Jeff, that 
there's a lot of bad blood coming out of this one and a lot of mm. frustration with each other and the entire process. Speaking of the process, so what is the process now of appeal? How does this work for those that may not be familiar with it? Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, gets you know first whack at this pinata, correct? Yes, and he has to do it, I think, within 48 hours. I think it's what's called an expedited appeal. So Bettman has to go within 48 hours. If Spezza, now he can increase the suspension if he wants to, although that, I don't know if that's ever happened. And then if Spezza doesn't like that ruling, then he can go to an independent arbitrator. What do you think? What do I think? Like, what do I think of the hit or what do I think of this entire process or what do I think of the game? The entire process. Uh, well, I don't think that Gary Bettman's going to go against his Department of Player Safety. Nope. I can see that coming. And so then it would then head to an independent arbitrator. And personally, I look at it and I say, yeah, that's a penalty. They decide on six games. Okay. It's uh, a knee to the head of a player who's on his way down. And I know the Maple Leafs can try to thread the needle and stick handle this one. I think everybody knows what Spezza was intending at that moment. How many times have we seen a player say, I got a shot at a freebie here. I can get a really good lick in on a player who just did our defenseman dirty. I'm taking it. Mm -hmm. Which is surprising considering it's Jason Spezza. You know, I think that that's one of the things here that people look at and say, well, 1,200 games and we have, you know, he's not that he's completely squeaky clean, but you don't expect that out of someone like Jason Spezza but there it is, and, and here we are. I'm not going to complain about six games because I looked at the entire game and said everybody was heated. There was no release valve moment to get some of the, the heat off of this game, and when that happens, then things like this happen. Like This is one of those, to me, and this is for a bigger discussion. I don't know if we have time or energy or desire to go down this road, but this really winks at the idea that games need to be managed by the officials. This is exactly the argument that I was going to make to you. Things need to be diffused, whether it is, you know, the idea of just calling things by the book, period. Mm -hmm. I understand the logic in that. It sounds good, but from a practical point of view, that's where you need to manage the game and do what's good to take the temperature down. And that didn't happen. I don't even think it's calling the rule book versus game management, right? I don't even look at it that way. That's how the argument is formed. The, the, the argument is sort of framed as, you know, whatever you see a penalty, you just call it regardless of context versus we need to get a feel here and make sure that things don't get out of hand. Yes, I agree with that completely. Now, look, I think Spezza was going after him to hit him. There's no question. He At that point in time, he thinks Sandine is seriously injured, and he's going for him, right? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's happened. And Toronto got some really good news on Sandine. They, in the moment, they thought it was a lot worse than it actually turned out to be. But, you know, the whole thing I'm looking at here, and, and we mentioned that Anderson made the Neen call. We've talked about how there's a real concern right now that with cross-checking, not being allowed anymore, being cracked down on, the slew foots and the knees are going up, right? How many guys have we seen injured with knees this year? Drew Doughty was injured. Having said that, I have a hard time making the leap 
saying like, oh, I can't cross check. So I'm going to start sticking my knee out. Uh, That's fair. Like, I mean, that's certainly your opinion, but people are making that point to me. I think that it's up. I just, I'm not willing to create an A to B relationship between we can't cross check. Therefore, we're going to stick out our knees. I'm not there. That's fair. I've I've had it mentioned to me a couple times, but that's fair. If you don't want to, if you can't, don't feel you can draw the line between here and there, that's fine. Would you agree we're seeing more bad kneeing plays this year? We're seeing more slew foots and more knees. Yes, we are. Got to stop it. Like the thing with Subban this week, he committed another slew foot. And, you know, one of the things I wondered, do you almost just have to suspend him now because it's too much? Like you just have to stop it. Mm -hmm. And it was responded to me that you have to take every play individually. Is that a suspendable play? And the argument made to me is that you have to decide if it's a suspendable play first and then the history comes into it. And I'm like, well, if it's my kid, obviously PK Subban is not my kid, but like <laughs> if it's my kid, yeah. you know, I would say to them, no more benefit of the doubt. You're going into the corner. You're going to the room with no television, even though, of course, <laughs> there's a television in his room. I just look at this and I, and I say, okay, we have to put a stop to this because people are getting hurt. So you just have to say, all right, we're going to correct this behavior. And the tough thing for me about that Winnipeg-Toronto game is it was a great game. Mm -hmm. It was a really good game. We don't have enough games like that anymore in the regular season. Playoffs, no problem. But we don't have enough games like that in the regular season that are that hot, that grip you from minute one to minute 60 or longer. I agree it's a skill. It's a skill of you have to know when to say when. Like I knew the moment I saw it was Pionk that they were going to remember what happened with Marner last year because he he ran at Marner on an empty net goal by Toronto and the Leafs were mad. I just knew that one was going to escalate. The other thing you can do right now is, and I do think the officials should kind of use this even more, is you have the option to review a penalty. Like if the worst thing that comes out of that Pionk play is that you call a major and then you review it and you say, okay, it's not a major. We're going to drop it down to two. I still think it tones down the issue. So the official can use that tool that's available to them. Why don't you think we see that used? They've reviewed a few. They've reviewed Ian Cole on... Tuesday night in the the Jets Carolina game. I generally agree with a lot of sometimes referees miss the calls on ice and that's what supplemental discipline is there for. I do think that can happen. I just think you can also use this tool. And I think on that night, if that tool had been used, everything calms down. I do agree that we're at a point now where the game is almost too fast to be called quote unquote accurately or to anyone's pleasure at this point. And it keeps getting faster and faster. You know what might have been the smartest thing on Sunday night? I'm not sure Dubois liked it, but Maurice keeping him on the bench for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, because guys would have run at him. The Leafs were hot that night. They were hot. I still think when these two teams meet up again, that someone's going to try to do something to Dubois for that. Just like Wayne Simmons is going to try to get at Logan Stanley. It's coming a million miles away. 
especially after Logan Stanley did the big celebration with the helmet <laughs> going off the ice. It's too bad they don't play in the same conference like last year. <laughs> they have they play great games against each other, Toronto and Winnipeg. They, they play fantastic games against each That's other. That's the other point that made this such a, a wonderful game is the fact that we're focusing on all the violence and you know the uh, the nasty play, but this isn't as if this is, you know, team 31 and 32. Like these are two highly skilled teams too. Like to me, that's what adds uh, an even greater element to it. That these are highly skilled teams. These are two of the best teams in Canada and, you know, two really good teams in the NHL here. And when you have that coupled with some good old fashioned hockey hatred, give me more of that all day long. And I think everybody feels the same way. I don't think anybody likes to see players, you know, getting knee in the head or knee on knee collisions. Like there's a line, but when two highly skilled teams get mad at each other. Yeah. Because I still maintain no one has ever said, I can't wait to go to this hockey game to watch these two teams respect each other. I assure you, no one has ever said that on way to a hockey game. Yep. Philadelphia Flyers. Elaine Vigneault fired. Michelle Therrien fired as well. Mike Yo takes over uh, as the interim head coach. It was just over a week ago that Chuck Fletcher said, our answers are in that room. And then the Flyers went out and had a tough one against the Rangers, had an even tougher one against Tampa on Sunday. I guess after that drubbing at the hands of the defending Stanley Cup champions who had just played Boston the night before, Chuck Fletcher had to do something, Elliot. You know, we talked about this a little bit. We taped last Sunday night. We dropped it uh, Monday morning. Then the change was made. We kind of alluded to that game and how it was going to happen. I had a really interesting call with someone, and he said to me, and I, I checked this with a couple of people, and they thought it was a really good comparison about how teams that had bad years last year, if you didn't improve this year, everything that went wrong last year got reopened. Like, if you look at Philly, because last year was a hell year yep. because of the necessary COVID protocols, it was a really, really hard year. And if things went wrong in your organization, they went wrong in Philly, there was a split between the coaching staff and the players. And Chuck Fletcher worked really hard to fix that in the offseason. And at the beginning of the year, Alain Vigneault was saying all the right things about Carter Hart in particular, who was a player that they really asked him to manage his relationship with. And then all of a sudden, they started losing again, and you could see Vigneault and what he was saying. He was losing his patience, and the word was that the players were losing their patience. Like, every grievance that got exposed last year and the teams that had, like, it was hard to play last year if you were winning. Imagine what was happening if you were losing. And all the things that happened last year in Philly they got ripped open again. Someone said to me, similar in Vancouver, that you know Vancouver had a really tough year last year. They had one of the worst COVID outbreaks in the league. The players complained about some stuff that happened during then. Now some of those players are gone, but you know there were some cracks last year, and you try to fix them, and you change your personnel, and you come back this year, and you struggle again, and all those old grievances they come up again. And there were a couple of people who told me there were real similarities between Philadelphia and Vancouver in that. 
I think there's a decent chance. I always hate saying this, Jeff, because 15 minutes after this podcast drops, I could be wrong. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance that Mike Yo finishes the season. I think there's some people behind the scenes that have made arguments for Boudreaux, who's now obviously gone. I think there are people who argued in favor of Tortorella. I think there are people who have argued in favor of Tockett. And I think Jim Montgomery's name came up too. But I think Chuck Fletcher, you know, wants to take his time if he can, because look, you've already made trades. You've already fired the coach. Now what? What if you have to make an even bigger move? Do you take your time and say, do we pick our coach before we decide our direction? You know, you know, Chuck Fletcher, he wants to wait as long as he can. And I think he wants to determine the direction of the team before he decides who his coach is going to be. Mm -hmm. I do think they're looking to hire a defensive coach pretty quick. And I think one of the people on their radar is Adam Foote. Ooh, really? Yeah. Um, See, I looked at this week and said, like many of us, this is going to be the make or break week for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now they've already you know, started it off by firing a coach and Mike Yo is in for now for the season. We'll see. I looked at this one and said, we're going to get all of our answers, you know, at the end of this week. Tampa was bad. The Colorado game was bad, but then the Flyers mounted a little comeback, ultimately falling short and Colorado just took over the game. They'll play New Jersey. They'll play Vegas. They'll play Arizona. And then they'll have a pause. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to put myself in Chuck Fletcher's head here. Let's say they lose to the Devils, lose to Vegas, lose to Arizona. At that point, do you say we need to change the focus of the season? They're getting close, Jeff. I feel like I say this statement a lot, but the math isn't their friend. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, someone was saying to me, I have to do the research on this, but doesn't it seem like there's a bigger separation in records between good and bad in the league than there normally is? Florida's got four losses in regulation. Tampa's got five. Washington's got four. The Rangers have four. Calgary's got five. And then look, like Arizona's got 18 losses in regulation. Vancouver's got 15. Seattle's got 14. Chicago's got 13. Montreal has 18. Ottawa has 16. Buffalo has 14. It just seems to me like there's there's more separation between good and bad than there is this early in the year. I could be totally wrong, but somebody was mentioning it to me. Yeah, that there are already teams that are totally out of it. Like, like more teams, more teams that are that look totally out of it than we're used to seeing. But that's why I don't think that Chuck Fletcher is looking to rush to hire a permanent. I mean, it does look bleak. I mean, goal differential of dash 23. And you know what? Their five-on-five save percentage was dead last in the league last year. Yeah. This year, they're 18th. Like, if you would have told me that, I would have thought they would have been okay. We talked about this last time. It's the first time that the Flyers are in trouble, and it's not because of the goaltending. Yeah. Uh, even though... Carter Hart had a tough one against the uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Speaking of goaltending, should have mentioned this earlier. Elvis Merzlikens is on the program today. He's great. And man, am I glad we talked to him on Monday. This is a dynamite interview with some great questions by me. And Elliot asked some <laughs> as well. Listen, I think he's one of the most interesting, not just goaltenders in the NHL, but people and players in the entire NHL. And 
do yourself a favor. Stick with the podcast till we get to Elvis because this guy will not disappoint. Uh, there's some really good stuff in here. But Zegras and Milano. So as people pointed out to me on Twitter, I can't remember whether I said it on the podcast or on the radio show, um, that I was getting bored or I'm already bored of the Michigan play. And this was Trevor Zegras saying, oh, yeah, you're bored of the Michigan play? Watch this. Raquel. Raquel will skate that down. He's got Zegras behind the net. He knows he's there. He goes right to him. Zegers, here he can Oh, look at this! Oh, he damn! Oh my goodness, what a goal! The magic of Trevor Zegers. It looks like he was going to try the Michigan play. Instead, he lobbed it off the back of Uko Pekalukinen. We got to watch this one again. Wow. As you can see here, he's behind the net. It looks like he's going for the old Michigan. He brings it up. Miller goes to knock it off. He shoots it in front. Oh, what it's Milano. a pass to Milano. Wow. And you can see Zegers, too. He grabs his head. Look at him. He's like, I can't believe it actually worked. Listen, we've all seen the highlight by now. It's a glorious play from behind the net. Like, we've seen Pavel Datsuk flip the puck from behind the net. We've seen a lot of players try flipping the puck behind the net. This one is the Michigan that gets tossed out and then bunted in the net by Sonny Milano. If you can recall, by the way, Sonny Milano, if you go back to his draft year, there was a video of him bouncing pucks all up and down the shaft of his stick, the toe of his stick, the heel of his stick, the full blade up and down. Like this guy is, he's like a Pavel Barber trick shot guy too, with, you know, elite level skills and vision. And as we saw on Tuesday night, creativity. What did you make of the latest improvisation around the Michigan? So they told... Ryan Callahan after the game that Milano was yelling Michigan, Michigan as Zegers was behind the net with the puck. So awesome. It was actually pretty funny. When I got it behind the net, I realized I had a second. And Sonny was actually calling for it. He was yelling Michigan. So I ended up just flipping it over the net. And I mean, he's got great hand eye and he did the rest. So uh, that was unbelievable. And as, as we see it on the monitor here, I don't know if you, you can't see it through my monitor, but as you can see, you, you flip it over. Now, was your original thought is I'm going to do the Michigan or or he changed your mind when he said call when he started calling when for it? When he started calling for it, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I thought maybe I could flip it over the net and Either hit off the goalie's head or he'd whack it in. And I mean, he's an unbelievable player with great hand-eye coordination. So they knew what they were doing. You know what Zegers is right now? He is must-see television. Mm -hmm. When he is on, I have to watch. I have to watch him play. Mm -hmm. Because it's not only that he is so talented, it's just that like McDavid's talent is something a little different. He uses his speed... And every time he touches the puck, you're electrified because you're wondering how quick he's going to do something and how many people he's going to embarrass while he's doing it. Like his his goal against the Rangers to me is still the number one goal of the year. What can you say? That is absolutely outstanding. The pressure, the bar by Barry as he pinches in. And Connor McDavid's got to wait here. He wants to drive it right back into the zone. He looks up, he waits, he waits, he waits, and then he puts the Jets on. Look at this. Talk about stick handling in the ball boot. What a move around Georgiev to finish it off on the biggest night this year with number four going to the Raptors. You just knew that Connor McDavid was going to make a statement. What a goal. But Zegras... I'm addicted to him for a different reason because he's sort of 
like in the regular flow of play, like McDavid's kind of does things like in a hockey context. I don't know if I'm explaining this right. I know what you're trying to say, and I'm going to hopefully phrase it a little better if you like. Yeah, I think Zegras, what he does is he does things that aren't really in a hockey context that are like trick shots, and he makes them look normal and sensical. So I remember watching Connor McDavid when he played in the GTHL. His minor midget year, he played on a stack team. Josh Hosang was on that team. Sam Bennett was on that team. Roland McEwen, Jaden Lindo, Jeremiah Addison. Like it was a, it was a stack team. And McDavid was uh, a year younger than everybody else. And I remember watching him play and he was the best player on the ice, but he looked like a pro. Like everything he did was a faster than everybody else, but they were pro style plays, right? Meanwhile, Josh Hosang was the guy who would grab the puck, deke everybody out and then regroup in the neutral zone. So he could do it again before he went and took a shot on net. And when I see McDavid, I see overwhelming skill, but he has a pro style poise. When I look at Trevor Zegras, I see a highly skilled kid who's having fun and who's out there trying stuff. Might come across like I'm insulting him somehow by saying, oh, he's not behaving like a pro player. They're just different styles. And to me, Zegers like, looks like he's a kid saying, let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can try this. Like there's an excitement in both, but there's like, McDavid knows what he can do and does it. Like when he imposes his will, he just does it. It seems as if Zegers has a curiosity about not just his game, but the game. And he's saying to himself, I wonder if I can do this. And then he tries it at the NHL level, Elliot. That's what's spectacular to me. Like I saw the the goal against Lokanen and the Sabres, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. And then I paused for a second. I said, I just saw that in the NHL. Someone tried to do that in the NHL. That to me is mind boggling, but he looks like a kid trying stuff. That's how I see the difference between the two. And they're both must watch TV for different reasons for me. You're right. It was better than how I phrased it. <laughs> Listen, they're two of my favorite. Like they're all like everybody loves these guys. Yeah. And, and I love Zegers. I watch a lot of Ducks games. I, I like a lot of, like, I appreciate everything that Trevor Zegers does much in the same way. I love watching a guy like Isaac Lindstrom. You know, like I love watching a guy like Hampus Lindholm, much like I love watching Ryan Getzlaff protect the puck and slow the game down and feather gorgeous passes as we're all screaming, shoot, shoot, shoot. I find the Ducks to be a fascinating team. And Zegers is a kid having fun. And what's next? I don't know. That's the fun. That's the fun. I know. It's great. What's next? What's next on this podcast is a quick break. And when we come back, you'll hear Elliot and I in conversation or someone else who's having fun out there uh, in nets, uh, on the mic, getting inked up, designing his own pads, and talking about life as a goaltender. Elvis Merzlikens of the Columbus Blue Jackets next. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. 
one of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Uh, Elvis, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, this is a real treat, and we're going to talk plenty about goaltending. But before we get there, I want to open up with one very specific event. And we don't necessarily see this in a goaltender's bag of tricks. Some call it the bump back. Some call it the cold shoulder. Some call it the Forsberg. Can you tell us your thoughts on your body check to Jonathan Dolan in the San Jose game, which really was a thing of beauty? <laughs> Gavrikov tried to send it towards the net. Now behind the defense, racing for it. Here comes Elvis out, throws a bit of a hip check, and he gets it from the crowd. Elvis not afraid to throw a little hip check there as they fought for the puck behind the Columbus net. Times it perfectly, spins off there. Good play by Elvis Merzlikens to protect that puck. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, you know, like I remember, I remember my first year when I when we played in San Jose. They rimmed the puck pretty slowly, uh, and you know you can't just go in the angle in the corner and play it. So uh, I remember it happened to me in San Jose that the puck was going slow. And then I had to back run in the net and then try to do some miracle saves or whatever. <laughs> but uh, th- this time it was kind of same situation. Uh, the puck was slow, but he was already there. And uh, that was the moment when in my head I said, uh-oh, what am I going to do? And then, then I just tried to push him somehow. <laughs> yeah, it happened pretty, pretty. <laughs> it was a great, listen, it was a great hit. Like it was totally unexpected. I don't think Dallin expected it. Have you ever done that before? Yeah, I did a world championship once uh, against Fiala, I remember, in the back of the net. But I'm afraid to get two minutes, you know, you don't want to get two minutes. <laughs> so you you kind of have to even uh, simulate it, that that was just contraction, right? <laughs> that you didn't hit him, that you didn't do that on purpose. So yeah, I had to do that. You know, Elvis, I was mentioning someone that we were going to be talking to you, and this is what they told me. They said, here's the list. Billy Smith, Ron Hextall, Chris Osgood, Martin Brodeur, Damian Rhodes, Jose Theodore, Yevgeny Nabokov, Mika Naronin, Chris Mason, Cam Ward, Mike Smith, and Pekka Rinne. That's the list of goaltenders who have scored in an NHL game. And he said, I will bet you anything you want that by the time that Elvis Merzlikens is done in the NHL, his <laughs> name will be on that list. True or not? Yes, you would. I will. I will because I'm going to go for it. Uh, career in NHL, there's still so many years. I, I have good feeling. I got good feeling for this season. Uh, no promises. Uh, obviously, I need the chance. I need the, the right moment. But uh, I'm going to go for it. And even if I'm going to do it my first one, I'm not going to stop. So now the fun part starts. You know, I, I have that confidence now. 
uh, obviously is depending even on of what games. Uh, like last night, I had the chance, but the puck wasn't flat mm-hmm. uh, on on the ice, right? So I, I had to rim it, and obviously I rim it, and that was bad rim because the puck went out of the standings, in the standings, and the faceoff was in our zone. So mm-hmm. they pull out the goalie, so that that wasn't the right move. But still, you know, I couldn't shoot that puck. Uh, it wasn't the perfect time and the perfect moment. So uh, I'm looking for that, and obviously I'm going to go for it. So That's awesome. Do your teammates know this, and have you ever told, like, hey, Jake Bean, if I have a shot at it, pass me the puck. If we're 30 seconds left and the net's empty, I want you to pass me the puck. They will not pass it. Uh, <laughs> I did that already in Switzerland. <laughs> I asked it for a pass. Uh, I got a shitty pass in Switzerland. So Who was it? That was in Switzerland back in Lugano. Okay. I mean, they know, they have kind of idea, but as well, they can't just stay on the blue line, right? What if I'm not shooting and I'm rimming and the puck, they have to be back there, right? Mm. The only thing is hard when you get the puck, the demons come to you and they are on your way. Some of the defensemen now, they understand that I'm going for, so they, they, they give me some space, but... Uh, it happened to me that I had perfect timing, perfect, and then my demon was just straight skating on me. And yeah, I was a little mad, but that that was in Lugano as well. Then I remember I was really mad after the game. Well, what would Brad Larson think if he's watching and you guys say have a one goal lead in a big game and a defenseman passes it to you and you shoot it? What's Brad Larson going to react like? In that kind of situation, I don't think they would ever do that. Even I, I would not shoot the puck if it's an uh, important game. We're mm-hmm. just about uh, winning for one goal, right? Leading just by one. I would not risk at that. But if we are by two, why not? Yeah, uh, I'm going for or, or now early the season. There is no really that important games, right? For playoff spot or whatever. Uh, obviously, every single game is really important, but they are not that important. Like maybe in end of the season when there is all decisions, right? So, uh, I will, I will not risk it, but right now, yeah, why not? Have fun. I love it. Good luck to you. Thank you. Love to see you. <laughs> Thank you. So Elliot gave you a list of goaltenders. I'm curious about another list of goaltenders. Who are the goalies you had posters of when you were a kid in your bedroom? Mark andre Fleury, Carey Price, Turco, Kiprasov, Luongo. Brother, I had cards, the upper deck ones. I didn't have the poster, but mm. those are my, my legends my idols of who I'm watching and even right now playing in the same league with them, like Fleury and, and Price. It's it's just beautiful to see and learn how, example, Price and Fleury is handling the puck. Mm-hmm. I think last year the, the playoffs, uh, even the fuck-up is going to happen. And then when Fleury did that fuck-up, I mean, that's totally normal. Uh, that was just one mistake, but how much he helped his teammates, his defensemen, mm-hmm. to play that puck, to get out of the zone. That was much more comfortable hockey game for Vegas defensemen, right? So uh, it's beautiful to see those guys, how they are playing with the puck, how they're handling. And my first year when I was here, it was a little panic moment because the rink is small. Uh, the players are quicker. They are quicker there to you. You don't have that much time. Price and Flurry, example, they they have all all big experience in this league and they feel comfortable in the back of the net, right? So uh, it's beautiful to see how they are playing and and I think playing with the years, I'm just gonna get as well that confident as they are. Like I'm wondering, have you ever had a chance to talk to either one of them? 
Have you ever picked their brain on? Because the one thing about Flurry that stands out in comparison to you, I think, Elvis, is you guys will make crazy saves when making it the right way or the way you're taught isn't possible. So I wonder if you guys ever talk about philosophy or the way you guys prefer to play. I never had a chance to meet them, to talk to them. I don't have even anybody who is kind of friends with them, you know, mm-hmm. but I know my agent has price. Oh, right. I didn't have, I, I asked him if, if there's any chance to, you know, hang out with price, but that was all before when I came to NHL mm-hmm. and obviously that was summertime and how he told me that price in summertime goes somewhere away from city, somewhere in woods or whatever. <laughs> uh, I know that he likes the fishing and all that stuff. So I didn't have a chance to meet neither of them. But yeah, the career is long here, so I hope I'm gonna looking forward to see one day to meet them and, and talk to them about our goalie goalie life, right? About our goalie stuff and and and, and see what I can steal from the great goaltenders uh, as them. You know, uh, becoming a goalie is usually an interesting story as well. Um, how old were you, and why did you want to get into goaltending? I didn't want it. I was a defenseman first when I was seven or eight mm-hmm. but i really didn't understand my role i was going forward to score goals i was going back to be a defenseman and when they were shooting i was catching the puck and uh, <laughs> i really did i was everywhere so i didn't really understand what's going on uh, i thought that a hockey player there is just a hockey player there is no big role right and my goalie was all time pissed because i was going against him like skating backwards and i had didn't know how to look on back when I was skating. So when when the team was attacking, I was playing as a goalie. And then when I when I had the puck, I was going as a forward. I was selfish, no passes, and just go by myself. And then after that tournament, I remember a goalie coach came to my mom and asked her if I want to try to be like a goalie. And uh, he even didn't ask. He just told my mom that he wants that I'm going to be a goalie. And that's how everything started. So you were seven years old when that happened? Did you like goal? I like it because uh, when I played a soccer with my brother and his friends or I played roller hockey, uh, obviously uh, the youngest goes in the net. Yeah. I, I had really <laughs> no choice. <laughs> so uh, I was always goalie. They were hammering that ball. Uh, I remember I was in the net standing with the tears because it was painful. They are much stronger than I am. and. <laughs> I was much more skinnier and tinier than they are. And, and it was painful to catch those balls against my chest or shoulders, you know. Uh, but I got used to it. Uh, and I wasn't any more afraid from the balls uh, when they were flying. And, yeah, I just tried it in the net, and I love it. You know, Elvis, your story is incredible. A few years ago, Tom Reed of The Athletic did a, a really deep dive into your past and it was an incredible story. And, and I remember when you were drafted in 2014, seven and a half years ago, someone said to me, wait, you don't know who this person is right now, but you will. And when you look at your life journey from you know Latvia to Switzerland to the National Hockey League, what are the things that you remember most and what are the things that you're proudest about? The help of the people who they gave it to me and the love in latvia starting there my mom uh we didn't have really nice life material wise 
she was all the time fighting for find some money for uh, bring me to hockey. Uh, then when I moved to Switzerland alone, because my mom obviously she couldn't afford that, uh, she sent me alone to the Switzerland when I was fifteen. Uh, living there in a family who took me in, it was again a huge help. Uh, obviously for hockey club Lugano who who gave me the education and all that stuff, the school, the living life and everything, food and everything. I think these are the most important people who who were helping me in my career. Obviously, then there is a different parts as coaches, my goalie coaches and all those guys, uh, even school teachers. That those people, they build me. They build me, they help me, and, and that's what I'm saying. They've given me the love uh, of what I'm really appreciating. And without their help, uh, I would never, ever would be here where I'm right now today. Well, your mom worked hard, obviously. And, you know, the stories of you working harder, sort of legendary as well. I, I spoke to someone today and said, what should I know about about Elvis? And he said, he'll work out until he throws up. Is that still true, Elvis? Yes, it's never enough for me. Uh, <laughs> like, like example, yesterday, we win the game. We should be happy. I mean, the guys are happy. I'm happy, yes, but I'm pissed off because there was bad goals. And, 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 and I hate when there is tips, right? And why I can't save the tip? It's obviously it's hard to save tip, I'm honest. But at the same time, I had to give hard time to myself because I want to be better. I want to avoid those tips. I want to, I want to catch them. I want to save them. But then, realistically, you think you don't have that time, Elvis, to save that thing. But I don't care. Find the time. Mm-hmm. Like this is how I, I, I talk to myself. I always give hard time because maybe it's because I grow up like this. Uh, you know, I, I saw the other. Other my teammates, goalies who had always the new pads, new helmets, new sticks. I was playing till fifteen, till fourteen, thirteen years old. I was playing in the net with a player helmet. Uh, I didn't have my goalie mask. Wow! Uh, you know, and then seeing other boys that they ask daddy, "I want a new stick," and daddy just goes there and buys him a new stick. That's and my mom, she couldn't. I had one stick for three years. Hmm. Uh, that's how I played hockey. And, and I couldn't afford it. And I think that was what built my character and my swagger that I don't want to, it's never going to be enough for me. Uh, I want more. I know that I can get more. I know that I can be better. And I know there are so many more goals in to reach that I had to go there. And when I'm going to reach them, there's going to be an, another new one goal to go. And, and I'm going to work my ass off to go there and get that new one. So who is the person around you now, Elvis, who says, okay, okay, I understand you have high standards and I understand you really care, but come on, let it go, move on to the next one. Who's that person? Honestly, I don't... I don't have friends like this because <laughs> otherwise they would not be my friends. <laughs> my mom is, I would say my mom is the first one who is giving me shit. So <laughs> I found my wife who is the, as my mom giving me all the time shit. Uh, so, you know, the, this, I don't know even if I have in my life or I know someone who is talking like this to me because if so, uh, I'm sorry, this is going to be like your last talk to me because, I mean, I'm not going to consider you as my 
I'm not going to let you in my life because I don't want that. Hmm. I don't want those softness, you know. Like I remember my first game in national team. It took me three years to win a game in national team tournament. And, 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 and I remember I won in my game, my first game. Uh, I walk out of the arena and there was uh, little fans that asked for pictures and signatures. I was smiling and signing the everything and making pictures. Then I went to my mom who were standing there and she asked me, what are you smiling? Who are you? Like a superstar? What? <laughs> I was like, what? I win my first game. Come on, be happy. Yeah, good job. And next day, next morning, she brought me a gold medal with breakfast. And I was like, what are you doing? Why gold medal? Oh, you're a superstar. You finally won your freaking game. And <laughs> wow, now you're, you're, wow. going, you're going to your fans smiling and all that stuff. On the other side, I'm thinking, mom, I mean, I played really great. I deserve it. And I win my first game finally. But my mom is my mom. I mean, I love her. That's why most probably I'm here where I am. She grew me up like this. Tough time. And I love that. I love to having all the time tough time. Obviously, you, you need the compliments and you need to feel it and understand that, yeah, you are, good, you are doing a good job. But uh, I think not too much. Uh, it's better to feel that that pressure, I think, and it's better to feel something where you, where you, where you did a mistake or something so you can get better. I want to ask you about your style because you have some of the most, I know you're a big ink guy, um, but your pads, your gloves, I mean, Mm. they're, I mean, they're gorgeous. Uh, Where do you get your style from? You mentioned, you know, growing up, like everybody else is getting new equipment all the time. You're playing with the same stick for three years. Where does this like elite level style come from Elvis? I think this is the creative, uh, how you say, creativity in my head. Creativity? Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I sleep, usually I try to imagine uh, my new tattoos or my new mask, my pads. I try to design in my head all that stuff and see how it goes. Some ideas I, I, I see maybe in the past, some ideas, and I'm, I'm more than happy to bring it back because I know the normal person quiet person is not going to do that. So I knew that the baby blue color is going to be just, that's going to be so Elvis to bring it back. Uh, I remember that there was a goalie in past here in Columbus that had the baby blue pads as well. So uh, I thought that's pretty cool idea example this year to bring back the baby blue and, and, and have the, those baby blue pads for third Jersey. But um, I love it. Otherwise, um, with Bauer right now, the, with the graphics, what they're doing, there is uh, there is good graphic guys even who are working in offices that they are doing a great job. Uh, I was going to say the the Bauer uh, DigiPrint graphics are gorgeous. I know there's some things you can't do; the NHL won't allow. But if you could do anything with your pads, what would you put on them? Uh, till right now, till this moment, I was doing always what I wanted. I have no clue what NHL doesn't let you to do, <laughs> uh, but. Until right now, I was doing everything what I wanted. I never, I, I never had uh, an answer, no. The Bauer sends me maybe five, six different uh, sketches. And uh, from those five different, six different sketches, I build one. And then I ask him how it looks. And then I see if I like it or not. Well, I'll tell you, Grant Fuhrer once wanted to have, was it Pepsi? I can't remember. It was a, it was a cola. It was some type of, of soft drink uh, to make his pads look like Pepsi cans. Uh, and the NHL shot that one down. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? 
doesn't make any sense to make my bets like Pepsi can. I mean, without respect, <laughs> without respect, if I would play in beer league, then I would do the Bud Light, right? I mean, <laughs> there is no really any sense to make an NHL something like with Pepsi can. You know, Elvis, I, I did want to ask you about your dedication of this season to Matis Klavlenix and I don't really know if there's a question I want to ask because I want you to say it in your own way, but when you and your teammates play this year, how do you honor him and how much do you still contact his family and basically your your memories of him and how you honor him and your teammates honor him? I play every single game for him. Uh, obviously, like bad night in Nashville, in my head, I said that that was just me. Uh, I wasn't playing for him because I, I want to always make beautiful and pretty games for him. Uh, he was my brother uh, and, and, and such a great person who I really miss every day. And uh, his family, uh, I keep in touch all the time with them, with his mom. Uh, she is always, uh, after every win or loss or whatever, she is texting me because in the news back home in Latvia, they're watching news in the morning, right? So they they know how he played, if I win or lose the game. His little sister now became my little sister. I keep in touch with her all the time uh, on the phone. And uh, sometimes she calls me even on FaceTime. So it's nice. And obviously, uh, I'm going to take care of her till my last day. I mean, she's going to be in my life now from this year obviously i never met them before mm-hmm. but uh right now from from now uh she's gonna be always in my heart she's gonna always if she's gonna ever gonna need a help she's gonna have that one for me and obviously my wife as well uh we are really good good relationship uh i'm not that often in latvia but uh for sure every single time that i'm gonna be in latvia i'm gonna go visit them uh and uh we were thinking uh, she loves the the little sister. She loves the United States. And uh, we were thinking with, uh, with my wife, how to maybe make her summer vacation and bring her here to, mm-hmm. to our place and stay maybe a while with us because she really likes it. She told us that in the future, she wants to come here and study as well. So we, we had to make that happen as well. You know, that's a, listen, that's a beautiful story. And I, I'm sure that, or maybe you don't, but do you have a sense of how many people right now are cheering for you that support you that are in your corner just because of your entire story? I mean, I see that and, and, and I, I see that and, and I really appreciate it for really for, for all help from the day when it happened till now. Uh, the, the, I feel that the people are close to me and, uh, and especially in Columbus, the people are really lovely. They they understand. Some of them understand of what shit summer I had, uh, with from what I went through, uh, from bad to beautiful. It's nice to see such a good people. And uh, but what is really nice, it's not just about Columbus people, but there is really some other fans of other teams that uh, were texting me and supporting me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is really nice to see how some of the people are nice. Uh, obviously, there is everybody heard about the guy from Dallas. Obviously, there is some idiots as well in this world. But those people you just ignore. Uh, some people they don't understand, and or they don't care, or they're just stupid, and that's it. But uh, 
the most of the part it's really nice and beautiful again to see and obviously not just from me but even my wife realized that uh just from our neighbors who were bringing uh, uh to us the food and breakfast and all that stuff it's it's really beautiful and we obviously appreciate that just last one for you elvis is uh you guys are right in the race you've had a good start and the thing i like most about columbus as an organization is there's a real attitude of you might not think a lot of what we can do, but we think a lot of what we can do. And I think that comes from the the GM on down. Kakalanen's like that. Brad Larson's like that. Obviously, you're like that. Boone Jenner's like that. Like a lot of your players up and down are, you may think we're not much, but we think we're a lot. And I'm really impressed by how hard you guys play. And just a thought about... The sh- we're going to show you attitude of the Columbus Blue Jackets this season. I think if you play, and it's not about just you play, I think if you are in that locker room as a family, I think the family is much more stronger than maybe a superstar names, right? Uh, like example, the first year when I came here, we had such big names in team, right? All of them, they were injured. And there was a one moment before the game that I realized, like, holy crap, here is all Cleveland Monsters team, almost. Hmm. And we were winning the game. We were just going out there, doing our job. If you were making a mistake, I, I would have your back, right? And if I was making mistakes, you would have my back. And that's how it worked. And, and we were playing really well. And this year, uh, we have a new team. We are a young team. And... Uh, what we're doing, we're just family. Uh, we are we are trying and we are doing our best and we are wor- working really hard. And obviously we are having fun. That's the most important thing. And it's fun to watch. And you're a wonderful team and uh, you're a tremendous goaltender. And uh, it's been a real delight catching up with you. Best of luck the rest of the way with the Blue Jackets. And uh, fingers crossed. I mean, you're, you're someone that makes it easy to cheer for. Um, thanks so much for doing this and best of luck, Elvis. We really enjoyed this. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Before we get back to our regular programming, we need to talk about our partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. Taco Boat. Really? That's right. With $5 tacos available every Tuesday, satisfy any taco craving when you try their seasoned grilled chicken, Mexi spiced beef, Kapow shrimp, or mixed veggie options. Mix and match to try them all or add one to the side of your favorite Montana's item. $5 tacos at Montana's Barbecue and Bar every Tuesday. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. 
concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. And there he is, Elliot. I'll resist saying Elvis has left the podcast, but Elvis Merzlikens of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, in our preseason polls, and I'm still sticking to it, I called for uh, Igor Shosturkin to win the Vesna. That's what my head tells me. But as I've been saying to you here, there, and everywhere, my heart is with that guy. My heart is with Merzlikens. I really want that guy to be successful. I want him to win the Vesna. I think Shosturkin wins it. But my heart says I want Merzlikens to win that trophy this season. I look at it this way. Until Shesterkin comes on this podcast and gives us a better interview than that, I'm not rooting for him. <laughs> okay, we know who you'll be voting for. <laughs> Taking us out is Victoria's Dustin McLean of The Wicks, a band we featured in season three of the podcast. Dustin is back with his new act, Neon Veils. From his debut record, here's Neon Veils with their title track, all the time on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view, and they all had to stay somewhere and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.